listening to the Batman Universe Commentaries, brought to you by thebatmanuniverse.net. Join the staff of the Batman Universe as we watch another exciting incarnation of the Cape Crusader from his extensive media library. Hello everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Commentaries, and today we are bringing you another animated classic. No, I probably wouldn't list this as a classic, but it is a Batman Brave and the Bold episode. The title of the episode we are going to be covering is Death Race to Oblivion. And the significance of this specific episode that we're recording is, well, besides the fact that it was the first episode of Season 2 of Batman Brave and the Bold, this is in fact the very first Batman Brave and the Bold episode that one of my co-hosts today first saw. So joining me today is... This is Joe. And this is John. And Joe specifically, we are doing this on request from Joe. So Joe, tell us why we are going to be doing this episode. Yeah, this was the first Brave and the Bold episode that I'd ever seen. All I'd really heard about the show was Nick complaining about it constantly on the normal cast. And hadn't heard very many good things. And this episode is possibly one of the most ridiculous of the show. And I managed to catch it, saw it, and as soon as the episode, well, it was about halfway through, and I went, all right, I'm in. And tried to catch every episode since and before this. So we are going to review this. And I know I've already seen this episode. And I think at this point we've probably all seen this episode. But... We're going to start the queue at 0000, and we are going to start in 3, 2, 1. Now, I will admit that this did really confuse me the first time, because I didn't know about the cold open. So, after the credits, I was like, okay, what's going on now? Where's Billy Batson gone? I don't know, I always found these opening, like, little things really pointless. Sorry, go on. I think they're great. It really gives the opportunity to, like, explore some of the lesser-known characters. It's how I sort of got into the Metal Men and characters like that, which you don't really get a chance to explore in uh, other mediums. I think it's True. kind of interesting that Batman walks up to this kid, grabs him by the shirt, and, you know, like he's a hardened criminal. You know, I, you know, we know who he is, but it's just amusing that it's, you know, they make this point that, you know, everybody watching is going to see that it's Batman grabbing this small child. That turns into Blockbuster. I've tried watching this show with my dad many times, and he always... I can't watch it with him, to be honest. Yeah, just won't stop moaning at it, saying how cheap it looks. I do not blame him whatsoever.
Are you a fan of the show in general, Dustin? I th- there are some good episodes here and there. I mean, like, I, overall, I think that there's, you know, the show as a whole, uh, I probably am not a huge fan of the, the show overall, but I mean, like, you know, it's, it's a very, the show itself is very focused on focusing on Batman from, you know, the Silver Age with, uh, all of the crazy bat suits that he wears in different episodes, the, the, the team ups that happen, you know, the name of the show is Batman Brave and the Bold, which originally the, the series was Batman teaming, or the, there was a comic series that was Batman teaming up with random characters from the DC universe. And, you know, that's what the original intent, I believe, what the show was, because even here from the opening sequence, we can see that the, you know, all of the different characters that Batman teams up with, their names are part of the buildings that Batman's teaming up with. And I think it's kind of a cool idea, especially since it gives a lot of possibilities as to, like, showcasing other characters from the DC Universe with Batman, who, as we know, is already really popular. But it introduces... And probably the best thing that this show show does is it introduces, you know, these young fans who are Batman fans to all of these other characters within the DC universe. Yeah. The episode was written by Greg Wiseman, one of the co-creators of Young Justice. Maybe that's why it's so awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of the Silver Age. I haven't read as much as I'd like to, but I do like the kind of campy ridiculousness of it. And there is plenty of ridiculousness to go around. This was kind of an interesting episode because instead of Batman teaming up with one person, there's multiple different characters that Batman's with, and this is one of the first episodes that had Batman with more than just one or two or three different characters. And I thought that was kind of cool, too. I'm wondering what the the decision for the specific selection of the characters that they had. Because as we can see, some of these characters obviously have, you know, pretty unique vehicles just because that's what they have. While other ones, it's not unique vehicles, it's just vehicle... Or it's unique vehicles, but it's vehicles that aren't necessarily, you know, from something we've ever seen before. Yeah, I was wondering. I was, I've, I've always wondered the, like, decision on characters. Like, I think they wanted to avoid using, like, the main Justice League, which is why we have Guy Gardner instead of, like, Hal Jordan. But for things like Blue Beetle, we have the, uh, High Main instead of Ted Cord and stuff like that. So they kind of mix up the Silver Age with Modern Age. Yeah, and and you can just tell from a lot of the costumes that it's more Silver Age just based off the costumes, like Catwoman's costume, Joker's costume, they all scream Silver Age. Yeah. I think the Joker's definitely someone to talk about. I mean, he's in this episode, he's he's kind of got that uh, filmation voice in this, which took me back at first, definitely, but I think he doesn't appear all that much in the show, but I think I kind of grew to enjoy it in its own way. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting different take because obviously everybody remembers Mark Hamill and, um, you know, he's the kind of iconic Joker voice. And um, 
I mean, I forget who is who played him in the Batman, but I mean, he got a massive, massive backlash, didn't he, against against him because he wasn't Mark Hamill. So, you know, I think they it's it's a nice that they went in a completely different direction. But like you say, it does work very, very well. I do have a problem with the CGI in this. I know it's, I think it makes me easier and stuff, but I've always, I'm a fan of classical animation. So whenever they do this 3D animation rendered in 2D, it never works. Yeah. Well, they've tried it for the, they're doing it for the new Simpsons, aren't they? And it just, yeah, it's just not, it doesn't feel the same. You don't have that kind of, there's something nice about having it hand drawn and or not even necessarily hand drawn, but, you know, put sort of with some care into it almost that I don't I agree with you. I don't think you kind of get with the CGI attempts to do 2D animation. Yeah, I, I haven't seen those uh, Simpsons episodes. I've definitely recognized it in the latest seasons of Family Guy. And I, I mean, it does lend itself to more dynamic shots and stuff, and you can play with camera angles more, and you don't have to worry about, especially, I think vehicles is one of the first things that they started using it for because it doesn't distort it, because it's like a, it's already made up, so you can look at it from any angle and you don't have to worry about perspectives and stuff as much. But it, it really does lose something, I think. Well, the one thing that, when I first saw this episode, the one thing that it immediately reminded me of was Wacky Races, which was a Hanna-Barbera Hanna -Barbera, <laughs> Hanna TV show from the 70s. And I watched that countless, countless times when I was a uh, kid because my cousin was absolutely enthralled with that show. And I actually have the season, the, the series, on DVD... And my son and I have watched it numerous times, and like just some of the crazy stuff that happens in this episode screams Wacky Races. And I'm sure that's where a lot of the inspiration for this came from, was from Wacky Races. So it's it's just kind of interesting to see some of the different things happen as far as, you know, the way they get away with it, the fact that they have different buttons that do different things, that they have different traps that their vehicles can do. You know, with Catwoman and this, these weird claws that emerge from her car and, you know, it's just interesting to see how the comparisons between this and Wacky Races really, how close it really is. Yeah, well, I, I recognize mean, that and I really like that. I haven't seen this episode in a while, but, um, the main trope I remember from that show was Dick Dastardly getting out way in front just so they could pull a trap which would, would inevitably backfire and he 
like I never understood why he didn't just carry on in the lead, but oh well. Well, I mean, it was one of those sort of mainstays of sort of if I'm if I remember rightly, sort of the sixties. It was from that sort of period, so it links quite well into into what they're doing. You know what they were trying to do with Batman: The Brave and the Bold. It was a nice, I think, a nice little trope, really, an Easter egg, in an in odd kind of way. Yeah, and speaking of Easter eggs, I think that's one of the best things about this show. Is whereas my dad is always just like, "Joe, you're watching a kids' show. Grow up." For the like, no, it's it's for. It's for grown-ups as well, I promise. Look, see, that was a reference to Dark Knight Returns. I don't even know what you're talking about. What are your thoughts on Black Manta's vehicle? Do you think it really could compare to vehicles that have, you know, wheels as well as the fact that they'd be able to go much faster than some walking robotic thing? I'm not sure. I mean, it's definitely, I guess, all-terrain, much more so than the others. Yeah, I think um, it's it gives him the ability to go all-terrain, um, but obviously there's not, unless he has the interconnecting, so that the legs are all working together, he's not going to get the, the speed up. But there are a lot of, of insects that are incredibly quick, Um Millipedes, um, being one of them are an incredibly, actually incredibly fast. So, um, you know, if he gets the motion going, then it, it can be as quick as, as anything on, on four wheels. But it also, the risk is that he's, he's quite top heavy. So if he falls over, he isn't going to get up. I like how much thought you put into that. I do. I'm a I'm a bit of a uh, uh, a science geek, and uh, uh, Miss Batman Universe podcast uh, is uh, an animal specialist, so I hear a lot about that kind of thing. The other thing that they've they've done really good about with this show is they've used a lot, and I kind of said this already earlier, is the fact that they've kind of used a number of other characters um, in the past, like that that uh, that aren't nearly as common. Like it's a decent mix of like common characters with this specific episode, along with characters that aren't so common. So we have Joker and Catwoman, who are very common. Black Manta, who's not nearly as common, but then at the same time, Steppenwolf is a character in this one, and, you know, Guy Gardner, to a degree, isn't nearly as popular as some other ones. So, I mean, like, there's a lot of different interesting ideas that they've had as far as, you know, combining these characters that are these common characters with the 
completely uncommon one. It gives it a nice variety. Yeah, and it legitimizes the lesser known characters as well, which is really good. And uh, it's a nice thought that uh, like younger people are getting to know these characters from a young, uh, from a young age. Listen, I, I I guess to um to uh young justice i mean when they go to like bell rev and stuff in the, the prison you see like hundreds of villains and i only know about half of them and it's it's i enjoy sort of learning new people even if i have to research them it's kind of how i got into comics and how most people do so it's great uh being able to find out about new people and their history True, but I think at the same time the problem with the series was that whilst they introduced the characters, some of them could be really hit and miss. Like, I, I don't particularly like Guy Gardner. I know he's this is how he is normally, and that's how he's portrayed in the comics, but I just found him really irritating. And, of course, the one that I, I absolutely loathe completely is Aquaman in this. He just... He winds me up. He's so annoying. He's over the top and bombastic. And I think that whilst they can add as, as so many characters in, they can also slightly ruin characters as well. I mean, I I would argue that they've really not helped Aquaman at all by this series. I completely disagree. I think that his appearance in here was before the New 52. And I think it really did... Uh, get especially young children excited about the character and uh, so people kind of know who he is and like he's probably after Batman the most popular character in the series I would agree I think that this this actually did a decent job of making kids like the character more so because he was so over the top yeah it did, probably didn't do a lot for the character himself in relation to the the characters that you know, the way the characters will appear in the comics and in most incarnations. But at the same point, there's like, there's a lot of things that, um, that Aquaman, because he was so over the top and he was a relatable character in some ways, or non-relatable, that made him a more interesting character. I mean, they had, I probably, I think honestly, outside of, Outside of Batman, Aquaman was probably the second most popular character, even as far as what they made merchandise go for. I also yeah, like uh, how they made Catwoman a, a bad guy in this, similar to the Lego series. I've, I've always enjoyed her portrayal as a villain in the, like, especially outside of the comics. But I guess that relationship hasn't really been explored outside because, I mean, even in the... I guess in The Dark Knight Rises is, is the first time I've seen it outside of the comics where they have uh, a more intimate relationship. I mean, there's sort of references in Batman Returns, but she's still a villain or villainess in, that's in the film. One thing I'm always get confused about about 
Green Lantern is um, I thought his ring created a suit for him and he had his ring taken off him and yet was still wearing his suit. Yeah. I mean, I would... He puts the ring back on and then he has that glow around yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to see a naked Guy Gardner by any means, but... I also like that Mongols consider it enough to put the good guys and bad guys in separate cages. <laughs> well, there would have been a second fight when they got back on the ship. I wonder what you guys um, think of the Batmobile um, in the Brave and the Bold, because I, I kind of always thought it was quite reminiscent of the, again, of the 1960s. Uh, TV version, and I actually quite like it in this uh, this iteration of it. I think it looks quite nice and it looks quite streamlined, but still has a lot of Batman tropes that that make it very recognisable. What do you guys think? I, I'd agree. They have, they definitely have the flash of red in there, which is reminiscent of the '60s show. Yeah, and I think. It's a it's a couple different things because like the the giant bat face on the front of it that's kind of one of those things where it has uh, it plays into um, even the earlier incarnations of of uh, of the comics because originally the Batmobile when it first came up it showed it had that face that bat face on the front of it. It's also, I, I don't know if you know about Eagle Moss, Dustin. I think you might do it. It's a magazine over here that creates uh, lead figures. They they did a whole series of DC yeah, figures. Which, I'm, which, I'm actually extremely familiar with them, and they're, yeah. they're almost impossible to get here in the States. Yeah, but they've uh, recently done a Batmobile line, and the Batman Brave and the Bold is actually one of those design so it's definitely recognized i think because amongst there is like the uh the 1989 one the just the red sedan from uh detective comics 27 so a lot of recognizable batmobiles in the in the line and this is one of them it doesn't transform into a robot though yeah but they did have a mattel release the toy that actually did that though it's pretty cool. It is very reminiscent of the Batman Inc. robots, actually. <laughs> That's another great comics reference. I would love to know how exactly a vehicle turns into a giant robot. But then again, I guess, if you think transformers are possible then this would be possible too i think we'll have to do an uncensored version of the mask of matches malone soon
Gentleman Ghost was one of those characters that was also focused on a lot more, but was also a much, much less known character. Yeah, I think I remember him having a whole opening before, and again, he's one of those characters that I didn't know before and was able to learn about, which, like I said, I always enjoyed. Alright, so that's the end of the episode. Now, just as a couple interesting points, some of the voices for some of the characters, Steppenwolf was voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, who you may remember did the voice of the Joker in the The Batman TV series. Tara Strong, who voiced Batgirl at a couple points, recently did Harley Quinn in Batman Arkham City. She voiced Huntress. So they definitely, I mean, Warner Brothers Animation definitely pulls a lot of the same voice actors back for different projects, as we've seen, and other things, too. Diedrich Bader, who is Batman, he voiced, can't remember who it was, but he's done some voices in some other projects, too. I think most recently he was in Superman Unbound as... Uh, oh, yeah, as... Uh, I remember. The, the pig reporter who worked <laughs> at the Daily Planet. So, overall, what would you guys rate this episode? I definitely... It's definitely a campy episode, but it's it's got a lot of callbacks to, I think, not only the era in the comics, but just the era as a whole, like John was saying with, and, and you were saying with references to things like wacky races. So I, I really enjoyed the episode. It's a, a fun episode, but I mean, it, it can only be as good as Batman, the brave and the bold is. So, I mean, <laughs> you can't compare it to things like Batman, the animated series. So on its own merits and as a brave and the bold episode, I would give it four out of five batterings. Yeah, as Joe says, you know, there are some nice references and it is camp, mindless, fun. You know, it's not very deep. It's not very clever. You know, there's some nice nods to to various items. But beyond that, I don't think it really has substance. And it's not something that for me, I would probably want to sit down and keep on watching again and again and and go back to so i'm probably going to give it three out of five batarangs i will also agree with john and say that it gets a three out of five batarangs i do like the the nods to things like wacky races the complete Throwback to the Silver Age, which, you know, the, that's common with a lot of Batman Brave and the Bold episodes, but even more so with this, because it dealt with so many different characters. I do like the fact that it involved so many different characters. I think that's a huge plus, because part of Batman Brave and the Bold was normally Batman teaming up with one person, or one person, and then he links up with another hero, and this was one of the few that had a number of different heroes and villains in it, so I thought that was kind of cool. But it's still kind of out there. This is probably not one of my favorite episodes of Batman Brave and the Bold. It is definitely an episode that, like Joe said, has its merits, but I think that it's going to be stuck at a 3 out of 5 batarangs for me. So that is everything for this episode. Be sure to check back in two weeks as we release one of these episodes, or a episode, or a commentary of either an animated TV show, live-action TV show, 
or a movie every two weeks, as we've been doing for quite some time now. So be sure to check back in two weeks for a new episode of the Batman Universe Commentaries. Be sure to check out all of our other podcasts that we have to offer, as well as check out the website for all the latest news. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos from the Batman Universe, including our Facebook group where you can chat with other Bat fans. That is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is John. And this is John. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Commentaries. We'll see you guys next time.